Welcome to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. This is Corinne Motokaitis, and you can call me Corinne. I'm a certified life and weight loss coach, along with being a Daring Way facilitator. Over nine years ago, back in 2006, I started the show and have hosted over 450 interviews through the years. And I created the space for all of us back then, a place where people can share their authentic backstage truth behind their struggles and success. Because when we realize we all have struggles and success, it it is easier for all of us to keep going and be relentless in our pursuits instead of giving up on ourselves. And if you haven't realized it yet, that's a really important value of mine, perseverance. Today, my guest co-host is Karen Walrand, and she's back, and I love talking with her. Our my the lights go off on my head whenever I'm talking with her and she's a speaker and a photographer and an author and just a lovely woman. I just love talking with her. And today we're going to talk about taking care of yourself. And here's what we have to say. Thanks for listening and I will circle back and thanks so much for listening to 95.7 KDRT. Karen, hello and welcome back. Oh, hi. It's so glad to I'm so glad to be back. Yes, it's so good to have you here. So we're going to talk today about taking care of yourself. Yeah. And I think that's such an important conversation. And it's also, I'm sure, a trigger for the listeners <laughs> out there because we can have so much judgment about, you know, do we deserve it? Are we worthy of it? We have so many other things to do. You know, how do we take care of ourselves, judging how it's supposed to be done? Or we can judge ourselves that we know better, but we're not doing it ourselves. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, when, when you know, we were talking earlier and you're like, this is what we're going to talk about. It, immediately, I was kind of like, oh, <laughs> oh well, am I doing it? Why, you know, exactly. I, I think you're exactly right. Ooh, that question. Am I doing it right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. You know, it, um, and I think, you know, logically, I think we all know that there is no right way to do it. Or it's sort of like, sort of like what the Supreme Court said about porn. You know, it's like, I'm not sure what it is, but I know it when I see it Uh (laughs) kind of thing. You know, I mean, I think that's, um, you know, I think there are as many ways to take care of yourself as there are people on the planet. Um, And uh, I, I think we all know we're supposed to do it. And the trick is figuring out what that looks like for ourselves. That is the key, what it looks like for ourselves, not what, what does it look like for somebody else? And then I have to do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's certain things like I have a friend who will um, tell me that she doesn't feel like she's calm or centered until she runs every day. And I promise you, if you ever see me <laughs> running, call the cop because the guy behind me is is about to kill me because that's the only way I'm running anywhere. Right. So, um, yeah. So I think, I think the, the trick is figuring out what it is that, um, we love and love to do and, and being really sort of aware and awake to how, how we feel doing certain things and when we feel most taken care of, when we feel like we're, we're taking care of ourselves the most and incorporating, incorporating that more often in our lives, I think. That is huge to be aware and awake to Mm. how things feel. 
Mm. Right. Because I, I know in the work that I do with my clients, that can be that's such a um, it's so simple, but so often we're not aware and awake. So often we're either future forecasting or past living. Right. right? We're not right here right now. Right. Right. And, you know, I think what's really also interesting is is this idea of taking care of yourself can sometimes uh, run afoul of seasonal things, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. You know, like sort of like, OK, I need to take care of myself, but it's um, it's back to school time. And I don't have time to take care of myself because I should be focusing on my kids or um, I should need to be taking care of myself. But it's the holidays and I need to focus on making the holidays perfect for everybody around me. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have time to be thinking about myself like that. It's too selfish because my focus is supposed to be elsewhere. Um, particularly, I, th- I feel like seasonally that that's, that's definitely the case. Like, um, I don't know. I, I, am I, am I wrong on that? I, I feel like, like the end of the year for me is always, um, a time when I know I have to be more focused about taking care of myself because otherwise I can just get into this whole, spiral of of what I should be doing mm-hmm. at the end, you know? Well, there's a lot of, you know, cultural pressure, right, of how we're supposed to live our lives. Right, right, exactly right. You know, the, the catalogs are coming into our homes with, this is what it will look like. <laughs> <laughs> this is the promised land. This is the way, uh, exactly. This is what, if, you're, if your life does not look as, as wonderfully staged as everything that we're showing you here, you are failing, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I, I definitely think seasonally, you know, like the going to school, going back to school. So the start of the school year, yep. this time of the year, there's the holidays. Like somebody said to me yesterday, once you hit Halloween, boom, you know, you're through the holidays. And and if you don't put yourself on your list, where do you show up? Right, right. Exactly right. And I like for me, um, like I have a really good friend who um, who never sends Christmas cards or holiday cards at all. Um and I always do, right? Like I, that, that's, I'm awful about, like, I don't write a thank you note for anything. Like I, I'll email you a thank you note. I'll call you and say thank you, but I don't write thank you notes at all. But, but the one thing I do every year is I send holiday cards and this friend of mine never does. And she was telling me the other day or last year, she was like, I always feel so guilty when I get your card because I don't have time. Like mm-hmm. I just don't have it in me to do it. And I said, well, you know, for me, the sending the holiday cards, like, and that is a ritual for me. Like, it's always the weekend after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I sit down, you know, by myself. I have a stack of cards, and it's a way for me to kind of calm down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, you know, it's my, it is my little ritual that I've worked into the holidays that makes me feel better. I have another friend of mine who bakes. Like, I'm not going to bake all Christmas long, you know, all mm-hmm. holiday season long. I don't have time for that. It's not it is a chore for me to do it. It's not that I dislike it, but it's something that really has to be scheduled. And I don't know that I necessarily feel taken care of when I do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not going to happen. But for her, man, she, this is the time of year where she goes to town. Like she knows there's nothing better for her than having her, you know, being elbow deep in flour and making <laughs> things right. Like that's her, that's her, um, her therapy really. Mm-hmm. And so I think the, the question is like, what's your therapy? What is it that works for you? I love that because, you know, our Christmas cards, we were just talking about this the other day of whether or not my kids were like, well, let's not do them. I'm like, oh, no, we do, <laughs> we do our Christmas cards right. <laughs> because we actually have a system like we all. And that's one of the things, especially as our kids have gotten older, we've continued to do that. Um, you know, when they were little, it may be they put the stamp on or lick the envelope. 
right. right? And then when they got older and they needed to learn our home address, they would have to handwrite that. Right. Now, now that everybody knows how to do all of that, it's, you know, it's labels. Right. <laughs> so it's much simpler now. But, we, you know, it would, there, was, there was a learning thing for them to practice depending on their stage. But it's, we put on the Christmas music, same weekend that you talk about, right. you know, right after Thanksgiving because we get the tree up, we get it, we, get, we send those out. So those are done. It's, it's now harder to like pose, get like family photographs of all of us. Right. So last year I took an old funky picture of the girls when they were like, I don't know, it was probably 2007. Right. So my kids were seven and five and they were making these like funny faces. Right. And I put that on the front and then on the back I put a current picture of the two of them, you know, about right. how that times of, they didn't like it. I loved it. I thought it was the best <laughs> card on the planet. <laughs> and and so that's like my create that's as far as my creative art projects go is our Christmas card every year. But it's it's that nice ritual that we have of the tree, putting out the decorations, getting the cards out. And then for those who do send out cards, it's a huge gift to us because it's just fun. Yeah. Right? Sure. Yeah. But sure. I have sure. I have to remind myself because on Facebook a friend was saying like, "Oh, I'm trying to decide do I do cards or not." And part of me was like, "No, do them." And then but that's me imposing my values on somebody right. else. Right, exactly right. Exactly. I'm always like, like I, lo- I love rece- the same. I love receiving holiday cards. And I love the, photo- the photographs that people send with these beautifully, like professionally shot images. And I sit there and I think, wow, I would never have the time. So our cards, like we do photo things too, but our cards are always selfies. Mm-hmm. Like literally... We we shot our selfie like two weeks ago. I was like, okay, is everybody clean? Let's go on. Let's go do a selfie. My husband has the longest arm, so he got us all in. And that's the one we use every year. Like I don't, I, you know, and I'm a photographer. Like mm-hmm. I am a professional photographer. And I'm like, yeah, nah. We're just gonna, we're just gonna make it. Y'all are lucky you get the card. So this is what we're gonna use. I love that though. That may we maybe we'll do something like that. Do a selfie. Oh, okay. Yeah, take the selfie. It's so easy. It's 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 such an easy thing. People don't mind it, right? They don't feel like it's a big thing. And you just all get together and, you know, we shot like four or five and I picked my favorite one. And and I actually the card, the reason the cards are on my mind is because I just got them back from the, in the mail. Like I got them today and I'm like, they look fine. They're good. They're current. It's a current picture of us. We're smiling. You know, we're fine. It's fine. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, you know, it's so funny. But, you know, back to your, to your, your point. I just feel like Particularly at the end, no matter, you know, whether, whatever, whatever faith you are or not, like, or you don't practice a faith. I just feel like the end of the year, there's all this sort of societal pressure that you're like, okay, you have to wrap up this year and you better be focusing on the next year and what amazing things you're going to do. And sometimes it just takes, it makes sense to just stop and breathe, right? Just stop, Mm -hmm. just stop everything and and do what you've got to do to, to, to be centered and calm and make sure like, are you okay? Am I doing okay right now? Is everything okay for me? So how do you stop and breathe? Well, I mean, for me, a lot of it, you know, I have a lot of different ways. Like for me, journaling is always a big thing. And, and, um, and I, I know that when I am more stressed, I tend to decide not to journal. Um, so that's when I know I need to journal, right? Like I need to, if I'm, because if I don't journal, then I'm more stressed. You know, it's sort of this vicious cycle. So journaling is a big thing. And then, um, I, you know, about a year ago, I started actually working out pretty hard, for, um, you know, going to the gym and I, you know, I re-upped my gym membership and I've been really consistent about that. And so those two things for me, I'm like, you know, no matter what, those two things I'm going to keep doing. 
mm-hmm. because I know that in the long run, I feel better and I'm less crabby and less anxious if I've taken an hour to do something where I'm moving um, and taken 15 minutes to just write stream of thought, you know, stream of consciousness in my journal. So if I'm doing those two things, pretty much I can handle other stuff. What about you? The movement's really important. Um, so that part's really important. And like last time we talked about permission, I have to give my permission, myself permission for downtime. Mm. So if that means because I have this hardwiring of be productive, be efficient, yep. constantly driving me. Yep. So sometimes it may just be puttering around the house or, right. you know, it it could even be, you know, just reading some crass you know, magazine or something. <laughs> sure, sure. And and I have to give myself permission because the judgment would be like, well, this isn't the Atlantic or the New Yorker. Come on, Corinne. It's kind of lowbrow. Right. Um, and then, but really, so if it's, if it's me by myself, giving myself space. So exercise, giving myself space, I'm not a big journaler. You know, yeah. I know I quote should. Um, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And then. As they say, don't should all over yourself. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And then the other part is that connecting with people is really important. Mm-hmm. So, but because I work with people quite a bit, but connecting with people where I can um, not have any leadership energy, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So, yep. having my safe places with girlfriends or something and giving myself that kind of permission, I, that will really fuel me up. Nice, nice. One thing that I've actually also done, and I've a little, I've, I've slipped a little bit and I need to get back in it, but I started doing it earlier in the year is I decided that once a quarter, I was going to take two hours and stay in bed and watch a movie by myself. Mm-hmm. And that was like, cause I, one day I was just like, I don't feel like working. I'm not into it. Now I work from home. So I have a little bit of flexibility on that. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go back into bed and watch a movie. And the reason that I watch a movie as opposed to television or anything is I want a beginning and an end. Otherwise, I'm in bed for the whole day, right? Like, like we don't want that, right? So I'll pick a movie, usually a movie that I know that nobody else in the house wants to watch with me. And I'm like, this is my day that I'm just going to, I'm going to watch a movie. And I, you know, I, I felt so, like I've done it twice now and I felt so much better afterwards. I felt more focused and it was like, you know, just a kind of a reminder, like, Karen, calm down, like, relax, mm-hmm. take a beat. Mm-hmm. And it was such a really good thing. And I, you know, like I said, the, it, it, it can't be some sort of like, you know, law and order marathon, or I'd never get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, or Netflix, one of those Netflix original series where, you know, that's it, that's the day shot. But mm-hmm. some movie that it's a beginning in the end is always great. No, and I think that, you know, when, what I talk about with my clients is where is that action rooted in, right? So what feeling state? So if that's rooted in compassion and you go and watch a movie, you're not running from something. You, it, you know, it's actually filling you up. But whereas TV can be like, if it's, if it's your, the voice in your head is, who am I to be doing this work? I'm not very good. And right. you're, you know, you're, so you're in your own shame storm and then you go watch the movie, it's rooted in shame, mm, right? So yeah. that same action is very different in in the sense of does it fill you up or does it take away? Right, right, right. I try, you know, I've been trying, like I said, I haven't done it uh, probably for six months, but I've actually, like after I've done it, I pick a day in the future and I schedule it. Like, mm-hmm. so it's not, it's like, well, that's my day. It's, no, it's, it's not um, because I'm trying to run away or anything else like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to schedule it and make sure that for those two hours, 
of whatever day in three months from now that I schedule everything around that because that's going to be my thing. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's what it's going to be. And, you know, like I said, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty cool boss, so I can allow myself to do that. But even if it's like on a weekend or something, I think if I ever actually st- worked for an employer again, I'd be like, okay, on a weekend, I am going to, <laughs> I'm going to go sit and, um, and do this. And everybody needs to get out of the house because this is going to be, right? <laughs> everybody go away, <laughs> figure out something else. You got to do something. But, uh, but I'm an introvert as well. And so that for me, like you were saying that connecting with people is really important to you. Mm-hmm. That's actually a, a lot harder for me. Like I have some very, very close friends, but I have to kind of gear up to, to go out. It's much, my, um, my default will be alone time, quiet time, stay on, you know, and also because, because my work, you know, I do a lot of public speaking. And Mm -hmm. so like in order to refill, I really sort of crave that, that quiet time because I'm constantly in a plane, I'm constantly speaking and you know, that, that kind of thing. So I, I need that for myself. So I think that's really interesting how, you know, you're like, oh, I need to connect with people and me. I'm like, yeah, not so much. (laughs) Like, it's lovely to connect with you, but that would be work. Like that's work for me. Right. Like, and and not that it's not enjoyable work, but Mm -hmm. it's work. And sometimes I need to just pull away. Well, and I think that, you know, is just so important for all of us to understand about ourselves. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, you know, I mean, we could talk about this forever. I think a lot of um, societal expectation is extrovert is good, introvert is bad, mm-hmm. you know, and extrovert means gregarious and friendly and introvert means um, shy and aloof and distant. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the thinking as opposed to extrovert mean, meaning getting your energy from a lot of people and introvert meaning getting your energy with, in solitude. Um, and so neither is good or bad. It's mm-hmm. just what it is. And I think that you're right. Like, I think there's a lot of, um, like, I have a friend of mine who works from home and it she's an extrovert and it kills her. Like she's been like, I think I need to get a, a, you know, I need to go get a job because just being at home is making me crazy. Mm-hmm. And for me, because I, because I'm not a shy person, but I am an introvert. When I quit practicing law, um, I had a lot of people saying, you're going to go crazy working from home. And I was like, Oh, but I'm not like, mm-hmm. like this is going to be wonderful for me. Um, and it's not that I'm not, and I'm, I think most people would call me friendly and gregarious uh, but my, where I refill, where I re recharge is in solitude always has been and always will be. So I think knowing that of yourself, how you recharge can help you decide how you take care of yourself, how you self care. That is so true. So Susan Cain, who wrote quiet, she has, um, ambivert. Ambivert. Yeah. yeah which, that's what I am. <laughs> and, and so there's a part of me that needs to refill on my own. And then there's a part of me that needs to fill up with people. And so it's interesting how I have my day structure because there's a lot of one-on-one time either by myself or I'm with clients during the day. And then my evenings or late afternoons are filled, you know, with like kids and that kind of energy, right? right. So whether it's my family or the swim team. And um, and for a long time, I was like, oh, well, that, you know, it's not going to happen. But I really like being out in that energy and yep. I get filled up. So again, I, I have to check in what energy do I like, where do I need filling from Right, right. being by exactly. myself or being with other people? Cause I can get filled up in both, both sectors. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, I guess the question is how do you, how do you figure out what you are? Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, I, because I think for the longest time I assumed I was an extrovert because 
you know, I'm not afraid of public speaking and I certainly am not afraid to meet a stranger, right? And in my mind, an introvert was a shy person, an extrovert was a non-shy person. Um, and it took a, a long, well into adulthood before I realized, oh, wait, no, you know, given a party or being home alone, I'm going to take home alone. And, you know, like always, every time. And I'm actually really strongly test that. So how do you figure that out with yourself, I guess? Well, for me, I just had to start paying attention because, yeah. you know, like I was a really shy little kid. And I mean, I can still be really shy. Mm. But when you when I get in workplace situations, it doesn't it doesn't seem nobody would think I was shy. So, right. um, again, I think I just check in like, where is my energy? Am I feeling drained? Am right. I not? Because the other side is that connecting with people. There are some people, as we know, <laughs> it can be really draining to be sure. around. Sure. Absolutely. Right. And so like, it's it's kind of like, what are the different types of food that fill you up and which ones, you know, create brain fog? Right. And know, right. knowing that. And that's kind of like what I think about with when I check in, like, what is it that I need right now? And I right. do. I ask myself that question, like, what is it do I need? And sometimes it may be, you know what? I am just done. There's nothing left. Right. And I give myself permission to go and watch, you know, Netflix or something, whatever I want to watch or read a book or, you know, do something that would not be normal. Right. Right. And I think also one of the things that, um, that, particularly, you know, toward the end of the year when there's a lot of family time. Mm -hmm. And so there's this sort of expectation that, well, you're with your family, so you should be getting recharged, right? Mm -hmm. um, which in my world is not necessarily the case. <laughs> you know, like there are some family, you know, there's certainly some family that that is true, but there are certainly other family where it's going to be work, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I'm going to have to be on, right? In order to be able to um, be pleasant to be around <laughs> or anything else. And I think that... Um, for me, what a trick has been is to figure out uh, how to take care of myself, especially like if you have house guests or you are a house guest, like how do you do that without being perceived as rude or ungrateful um, to the people around you? And that's, I think, can be really tough, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I don't know that I have that really nailed, frankly. Um, you know, I try, but. You know, it's a, I mean, I think some of it's boundary setting, but it can be, that can be a tricky thing to do. Mm -hmm. So I had to practice that really hardcore last year. I've been practicing it through the years, but um, mm -hmm. my mom and my sister both live in Texas. And so they had come out at Christmas. My mom came out a little before my sister. And so there were a lot of people in my house. And um, I just gave myself permission that I could be back in my bedroom for no other reason than to be back in my bedroom because I needed some downtime. Right. And I had to let go of, you know, because I'm a recovering approval whore. So I, <laughs> I, I, I had to let go of trying to get, you know, their approval. Because right. more, more than likely, there was going to be disapproval no matter what I did. So, right. um, and it was, it came back to what is it that I need so that I can go back out and show up. Right, right, right. And you know what I've done, which, you know, I don't necessarily recommend it. But what I've done is I've pretended I had work to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've just been like, I got to go do some work, right? Because mm -hmm. people tend to be really um, kind about, you know, oh, well, she's got, you know, people expecting stuff from her. She's got to go step away for a while and get some work. And, you know, sometimes I actually am doing work. Sometimes I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm just like just taking the time to do, you know, kind of separate from my, from everything. But that, I mean, that's so, that's so tough. That, like that for me is really, really, um, is really challenging. Uh, but, but I think I, ultimately, I think you have to do it. I mean, if you don't take care of yourself, then 
you're going to be unpleasant. People around you are going to be unpleasant. Everybody's going to be unpleasant. And, you know, and to what end, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think, you know, again, like another time we had family here and um, I just wanted to go work out by myself. I just, mm-hmm. I checked in mm-hmm. and this was, you know, the, me being kind of the newbie at this. I checked in. It was like, I want to go work out by myself, but I have this value of being inclusive, right? right? I don't want people to feel left out, but I also have to be responsible for my own feelings and let people be responsible for theirs. Right. And so at one point I was like lying in bed. I'm like, well, I could just hide in my bed. <laughs> then I was like, well, I want to go work out. Well, I can go out the back slider <laughs> and sneak out. <laughs> and then I just thought, you know what? I don't have to bring anybody with me. I right. can go. And if people see me as I'm leaving, I can just let them know that I'm going to work out and not invite them. And that is okay. So again, I gave myself permission to not right. invite anybody. And people were either in bed or in bathrooms or whatever. So I got out of the house easily without having to sneak out the back door. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, you know, I ha- again, it's letting go of what other people think. Yeah. And yeah. saying, what do I need? Because I do want to connect with you. I do want to be here for you. But I, ha- I mean, again, I think working from home, right? I'm used to having quiet space right, for right. part of my day. Right. And then so in the holidays, while it's lovely to have all these people and my kids really love it, and there's a part of me that loves it too. It's fun. But I think as I've gotten older, I definitely need that alone time. Yeah. Yeah. And also one of the things that I'm, you know, for me, if I have guests particularly, like I try to kind of set some ground rules at the very beginning of, of the visit saying, look, you're in my home. As far as I'm concerned, you are home. So make yourself at home. Do what you need to do to be comfortable. You know, if you need to go somewhere, go. If you want to stay, stay. We, I'm not putting an agenda on you. You guys know where the coffee is. You guys know where everything is. You know, my house is your house. And, um, and if you need to come and go as you please, let us know. Um, it, it, you know, not let us know. Just go do it. And I may be coming and going as I please. And just sort of kind of set that expectation um, that, that I'm not going to be here to monitor your life. And you are not expected to behave in a way where I'm going to, you know, that I have to be a part of everything that you do. Um, and that has helped a lot, I think, you know, that if people want to sleep in, they sleep in, right? Like it's no, every breakfast is at eight or whatever mm-hmm. else, right? And sort of um, letting that happen. And, and I would like, we live, we're lucky that we live really near a hike and bike trail and stuff like that. And I'll sit there and go... We have bikes in the garage. If you want to go ride a bike, there's a hike and bike trail over there. You know, the neighborhood's great. Here's where stores are. Here's where everything is. You know, come and go as you please, right? And I, and I found that helps a lot, I think. No, I love that because you built that container, right? You set the boundaries ahead of time. Yeah. And yeah. and what the expectations are. And that's a great way to do it. Um and I, and I do that too. When people come in, I'm like, look, this is your home. Feel free to eat whatever you want. Like the first time I may serve you. But then after that, you're kind of on your own. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, you know until- and, and if there's like a, a big family dinner, I'll let you know. But otherwise, you know, there's bread and, you know, peanut butter. Make yourself <laughs> <laughs> like, go to town. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I don't mind making plans for the upcoming day. But when you were talking, I was thinking of, I used to, when I was a little kid, I loved the love boat. Yeah. And Julie, the cruise director. And I was thinking, Karen's not Julie, the cruise director. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I'm really, really not at all. I mean, you'll be comfortable. Like, like I'll make sure that everything that you want to eat and everything is in the house. Like, that's one thing. Like, I'm like, tell me what you want. I'll stock the house. It'll be co- like, I'm going to make this your home. But by making it your home, it means, you know, 
knock yourself out. We may have, you know, we always have dinner every night together. Like that might be the one thing. But other than that, you know, I'll tell you if I'm going to the mall or something, you want to come with me? Great. You don't want to come with me. It's not going to hurt my feelings. That's mm-hmm. fine. You know, um, or whatever else I'm going to do. I'm going to go for a run. You want to come with me? Good. But don't, don't hold me back. Right. <laughs> and I won't hold you back either or whatever else. Right. So, um, and it, it works. At least, you know, people keep coming back. So I'm, I, I assume it means I haven't offended anybody by that. You know, I wonder if we could have these more courageous and authentic conversations where we could say, hey, this is what I'd like to do. What is it that you would like to do where people could really own it and yeah. share? Because so often it's like, oh, well, whatever you want to do. Oh, whatever you want to do. Right. right. But it's not yeah. very authentic. Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, I, I, there's a part of that that that's kind of on us as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I have learned as I get older that I don't say, well, whatever you want to do, unless I really am okay with whatever you want to do, right? Like if you're going to give me an option, like you want to do this, I'm going to say, hey, you know, that movie sounded good or, um, or I'm really sort of in the mood for, you know, Japanese food tonight or whatever, like I'll say it. Uh, but if I really don't care, then I'll say that as well. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to sort of take ownership of that on ourselves as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, to me, I, I'm learning as I get older that as long as you say everything with kindness, you can pretty much say your mind. Like you can speak your mind. It's, it's okay to do it. And there's a way almost in every situation to do it in a way that people won't be, you know, put out or offended, you know, that you can speak your truth and say, here's what I need. Um, and, uh, you know, understand that I'm not trying to offend you in any way or, um, or I can be better for you if I get this for myself right now. I think that for the most part, people, especially loved ones, right? They want you to be happy. Everybody, you know, you want the people around you to be happy. They want you to be happy. Um, so as long as you lead with kindness, for the most part, you can, you can, you can be honest, right? Have you always been a kind person? <laughs> uh, I have always been a person that found it easier to be kind to others than to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I am getting better about being kind to myself, but, um, yeah, I would say that, uh, that thinking and caring about other people, uh, and whether other people are happy, so that's good or bad, right? But thinking about whether or not the people around you are happy is a huge value that my parents, and that was in growing up in our house, you know, you are not being good unless everybody around you is happy. And if people, if people are unhappy and you had a hand in that, then you need to fix it. Right. Uh, so I, you know, like you said, an approval whore, is that what mm-hmm. you, is that the, like that for sure. That's kind of, I grew up in the same sort of house, you know, people pleaser kind of thing. Um, which again could be great or not, right? Like it can be great that you're considerate and that you think about other people and, and how they're feeling. But you know, if you're doing it to the detriment of you, eventually that's going to catch up with you, right? Eventually, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to explode or, you know, somebody's going to be unhappy or, you know, you're going to be resentful and they're going to feel it. Like there's always, it gets back to you. And that's been a lesson that I've been trying to teach myself probably in more recent years. I'm getting better at it, but, um, but it's, it's, it's a tough lesson, I think, to learn. It takes so much practice. Yeah, for sure. It really does. Um, yeah, it really does. It, you know, it's interesting because I think that's where that whole approval horror came out of was like 
being taking on the responsibility of other people's happiness, you know, and believing that. And, and then, um, I, I think I do can really feel people's, you know, emotional energy and I want to make it better. And one of the things that I've had to really learn is that I'm responsible for my own feelings. Right. And, and how do I show up now? That doesn't mean that I can be mean to other people, right? Because I want to be in line with my own values and my own integrity. Sure. And so if I really think about it, because when I am mean to other people, it's because I'm, you know, trying to use one of the, the shame shields, right? The moving away or moving right. against, right? I call that the inner gladiator. So that, and then that happens at that, or martyrism. Right, of course. <laughs> let me be right. nice, let me be nice, let me be nice, let me sacrifice. And then let me just blow up at you. Right. <laughs> oh, that's my, that's, that, that would be the name of my, my, my autobiography. Right, <laughs> right there. <laughs> so, right, and for sure. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so, uh, I don't know, it's so, it's it, like you said, it takes practice to kind of figure out how what that balance is. How do I take care of myself? Um, and and worry about the other thing I think, as you were talking, I was thinking like particularly with children, um, maybe less so with partners, but particularly with children, I think there is this sort of idea that you are absolutely responsible for your child's happiness, right? Um forgetting that um that maybe not to the extent that you believe, you know, like I, like for example, the the example I think of is I can certainly imagine times when I have spent money on my daughter, Mm -hmm. um, for, I don't know, whatever gift or whatever thing that I think is going to be huge. And then felt sort of, um, like she, it was great in the moment, but she didn't really care about it again, you know, after she'd seen it and was ready for me to buy her the next best thing. Right. Um, and you're like, well, was that really, is that really about me making her happy? Like, is there another way to kind of focus on what happiness looks like for her? Um, and, and, and what really am I responsible for? Like, maybe what I'm really responsible for is to make her feel confident in herself and make her feel loved. Um, and that's where I should focus on happiness, right? As opposed to well, I've got to sacrifice because I've got to make two million cookies for some party that I have to throw <laughs> for her because otherwise she won't be happy. You know what I mean? So, uh-huh. and I, th- and therefore I'm going to be resentful because I've just spent, you know, all this money and time and stuff like that on something that's very fleeting with her. And so I, you know, I think there's a certain way that you, you have to think about, well, yeah, especially with children, you're responsible for their happiness, but I don't think you, that means necessarily fleeting happiness on their part or, to the detriment of your own happiness on your part. Like this is such a, a you know, a, a tightrope, I think, to, to walk on that. It's interesting. I heard um, somebody say this. It was this quote of, you know, the, the most important thing you can ever do is to show your child, and I'm totally screwing this up, Karen, but basically show your child your own happiness, mm. right? Especially, I think, if we're, since we're raising daughters, of that we can be happy. And it doesn't mean that we disregard our responsibilities because that's not in line with our values and our integrity. Right. But that, you know, we can be happy, that we can take care of ourselves. And so, and I think about that a lot in, you know, sometimes making certain decisions that I have to make as a parent. And then I, I have a conversation a lot with parents because they always tell me that they want their kids to be happy. Mm. And this summer when I was giving a talk to the swim team at the end of the year, I said, you know, this is a comment that happens a lot where parents will say, I want my kids to be happy. And I said, I think what we want is our kids to be hopeful. 
Oh, wow. Because hope is a cognitive function, right? And we want our kids to have the ability to fall down and get back up and fall down and get back up where happiness comes and then it goes and stuff. But when when our kids can be hopeful in life, they're going to be resilient. And that's really an important skill set to have in this world. And um, so, and then again, last weekend, I had another parent saying, well, I'm responsible for my daughter's happiness. And I said, really? Because they were worried about college and college recruiting and stuff. And I said, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. I said, and she goes, well, I, I just want my kid to be happy. And I said, here's what I've learned with my own kids is that I have to believe I have to believe and have the confidence in my child's ability to get something done or that they're going to do well in life, right? Right. And right. When, when sometimes I think we, we go into, oh, I need them to be happy, so let me go get them this. Let me go buy them this or let me have them in this, you know, this is something I deal with constantly with the swim team. Um, you know, I will, we don't do private lessons, but there's some swim teams that do private lessons. Let me just pay for the swim lesson, this private lesson, because then they'll get better at it and then they'll be happy. Mm. Right. And, and I like, no, we, how about we are confident that our child will learn and are confident in our child that they, maybe they're having a hard time in their swimming or in their school, but they will learn how to move through this. Right. 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 Or they're right. You're confident that your child will have, grow up to be an adult and have a good life. Right. I love that. I love the idea that you want them to grow up and be hopeful. That is so, that is so beautiful. That's such a great thing. The other, you know, and what, what you're saying also reminds me, I remember hearing an author whose name is, escapes me right now, but he was talking about um, sort of the difference between happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that, uh, you know, that the phrase that money can't buy happiness mm-hmm. um, is a fallacy, like totally money can buy happiness. Like you can buy the fabulous vacation and you'll be happy, but what it can't buy is joy. Right. Mm -hmm. And that happiness is something that happens in a moment, Mm -hmm. but joy is something that you live that that is long-term, like you live a joyful life. And, um, for me, I think that the key for that and the key, and it's definitely when you were asking me earlier about what's something that I do for self-care and it's something that I, I absolutely do, and I can't believe I didn't bring this. The key to living a joyful life is to cultivate a practice of gratitude mm. and to really kind of be very mindful of what is going well for me today, what what was awesome for me today. And sometimes that's a big thing, um, you know, like getting to talk with you today on, you know, mm-hmm. on this show is certainly a big thing that I would put on my on my list for today. But it, sometimes it's a small thing, like, you know, I had the perfect cappuccino at the coffee house today mm. or whatever. And just really um, having a practice, and I do do this every night, is I think of what is one good thing. I call it my one good thing. What's one good thing that happened to me today? And I've been doing it now for literally 20 years. I started it when I was having a rough patch in my late 20s. And I have never in 20 years not been able to come up with one good thing, even if it's just and well, what happens is as you start the practice, then you start to create moments where you're like, oh, you know what? Today's kind of going crappy. So I'm going to have to do something to make sure that I have something <laughs> at the end of the day. Right? So sometimes it's just like, you know what? This has been a crappy day. I'm going to make sure to have a bubble bath tonight. Right. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to take 20 minutes or whatever. And so what ends up happening is, is gratitude begets gratitude and joy begets joy. And because you are creating those moments on the times that are difficult, that you are self-caring, right? You are taking mm-hmm. care of yourself. And that's something that I really try to um, work with my daughter. Like I ask her all the time instead of like, um, 
like, how was your day today at school? I say, I ask her, what good happened to you today? Right. Or what was a good thing that happened today? Or, you know, at dinner, we're like, well, tell me something good that happened today. Just to kind of get in the idea of what is it that brought me a moment of happiness? Because I think having that sort of collective in your past is what helps you live a joyful life and what helps you, reminds yourself to take care of yourself. That's beautiful. I, I really love that. And the gratitude practice is definitely something that I've incorporated into my life. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, is that it's allowed me to get become comfortable with joy. Yeah, right. Because joy can feel very prickly, mm-hmm. right? You can, you can have a lot of guilt around joy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, but, you know, it's really interesting. I, you know, certainly toward the end of the year, I hear a lot of friends. And this year has been a, a tough year for many friends of mine here in Texas because we've had a lot of flooding. And so I've had friends that have lost homes and really horrible things that have been happening around here. And, um, and at the end of the year, regardless of whether it's this year or other years, I often hear people going, man, don't let the door hit you on the way out 2015 or whatever, like, like mm-hmm. spring on the next year. And I was trying to think about that because I don't tend to, to think about that. And I was thinking about my year this year. And I was like, you know, we've had some tough times. Like I've dealt with some, you know, this was like a big funeral year for me, right? So mm-hmm. I, I, like, I lost friends and um, family members. And this was a really tough time. And yet, as I was thinking that the other day, I was, I sort of thought that with a shock, because if you had just asked me how was 2015, I would have been like, oh, 2015 was a great year. But then when I focused on it, I was like, oh my gosh, there were some really awful moments mm-hmm. in this year. There were some really terrible moments in this year. And I think what's, what happens is when you shift, and I would, I would say that I live a pretty joyful life. And as I say that to you out loud, there's a part of me that thinks, oh, am I bragging? Does that make, you know, like, <laughs> like there's that whole guilt about, well, how, you know, who am I to think of the, of my life as joyful? But I think that there's something to that, that when you, you make that practice of, of, you know what, I'm grateful and I'm, and I'm, you know, and, and I'm happy for the good that's happened in my life. And I'm happy for the good I've made happen in my life. Um, then you start to feel a little bit more entitled to the joy, I think. Mm-hmm. Because we are all entitled to the joy. Who's not entitled to joy? Everybody's entitled to joy. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, I've had so many guests that will say, "Look, I've been to third world countries, mm. you know, where people don't have what we have here, and mm. they've seen pure happiness. They've, they've seen joy, mm. and so in their day to day life would be much harder than ours to right. to a certain extent, right? They may not have the shame triggers that we have from social media or whatever." But so this idea that, oh, you know, are you bragging? No, I think what, what you're showing is an example of somebody who practices gratitude. Mm, and this is sure. what happens. You, you start to, because everybody's year, there's, and some years are going to be harder than others. And there's going to be more tragedy than, you know, some years of our own lives. But there's also moments that are beautiful moments in, yeah. a, in a year. I mean, we're talking 365 days. I don't even know how many minutes that is, right? So there's there's going to be great moments mm-hmm. and crappy moments. Mm-hmm. And where uh, do we want to focus our attention? And I think what's really also interesting, for certainly for me this year, because there have been a lot of crappy moments, it, what has been surprising for me is how many of those really great moments are happening right at the time of the crappy moment, right? Yeah. Like we're dealing with, I'm at a funeral, but I'm watching my family come together and support each other. 
or somebody's ill and I'm watching people just huge, wonderful acts of kindness around that person to help support them, right? Like there's always, it's always surprising to me how much of that good can get woven right in to the mess and the muck of life. And, um, and, and it's, it's sort of that, that, that finding that, finding that, um, that gratitude in there. And, and for me, like, you know, I'm, I'm just really, I'm sort of shocked that it took us this long to get to that in, in this conversation, but gratitude is such a huge part of self-care for me. It's, it's mm-hmm. probably 60%, 70% of how I take care of myself, I think. Well, I mean, it sounds like it's so ingrained in you, yeah. right? It wasn't top of mind, but I want to circle back to what you just said, because that's so beautiful. And it's so true is that as you're going through the really hard stuff, there are the really good stuff too, right? Mm. And we we tend to think, oh, the hard stuff, it's just all hard mm. and, or it's all bad. But mm. really a lot of times they're walking hand in hand. You know, it, it may not be that, just like you were describing, you can be mourning the loss of somebody, but watching your family come together right, in that same space. Right, right. And that's, um, I, I, and I'm always, I'm always surprised by it. Like I'm always, uh, I'm always surprised at the joy. I, you know, my, you know, earlier this year, my, my grandmother passed away and she, you know, it was expected. She'd been ill for a while. She lived a long life. She was 96 years old when she died. So, um, so it wasn't completely unexpected, but I flew back to the Caribbean. I flew back to Trinidad for her funeral, which is where my family's from. And I was just literally right before we started talking, I was going through, um, some images some photographs that I took while I was on that trip. And like the overwhelming, feeling was not sadness, right? Like it was really sort of like, that was a great trip. And I was going home for a funeral, right? And of course I miss my grandmother and I was close to my grandmother, but it was, you know, it was something about, you know, after the funeral, like a bunch of people came over to my dad's house and they're, you know, in in typical Trinidadian, you know, style, they're drinking rum and sharing stories because a lot of them hadn't seen each other for years, right? And we're talking about all these stories that had happened, and I'm just sitting here witnessing that. And that was an amazing, wonderful moment, you know? It's it's so interesting to me. I can't think of really a really awful time in my life where I can't also think of a moment of great beauty that happened at the same time. And I think I think that those moments of beauty happen specifically so that we can take care of ourselves during the tough times. I really do. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a lovely revelation. That is a great note to close on. (laughs) So thank you so much, Karen. And um, this has been a good conversation about taking care of ourselves and, you know, coming to gratitude. And then with the closing of that, you know, something that, what did you say? An awful time that was also, um, with beauty that always it, beauty is always there is always beauty and good in every moment in every moment including the worst times That's sometimes awesome. it's just harder to see <laughs> it is harder to see but when yeah. we practice there we go yep. well karen thank you so much oh it's always a pleasure to speak with you thank and, you for having me yes and i look forward to more shows with you i hope so all right i love that one of the things that i want to share with you guys about taking care of yourself it came at the end of the show in my own brain about what is taking care of myself look like, just like gratitude was something that came top of mind at the end with Karen, but taking care of myself with what I choose to put into my body, what I choose to eat. And for so long, I used to have these stories of I'm busy, I don't have time. And and you guys have 
understood my cooking journey where the last few years I've learned how to cook and I didn't know how to cook before that. I mean, I can make scrambled eggs and French toast and that kind of thing, but touching raw meat just didn't occur. But now I'm a person who takes care of herself. So that means that I set aside time so that I can nourish my body. I can feed it and I'm very deliberate about that. So in the mornings, I make sure that I have enough time to make my coffee and make my breakfast. And I set aside time every day for lunch. And then I sit down for dinner with my family. So those are important things that I do to take care of myself. And it's an it's a practice. I'm not perfect. A few weeks ago, I had a really busy day working with clients. I was doing some intensive days, half days intensives with them. And then I had some other clients. And I had thought, oh, I'll still have time to go to the grocery store, cook some dinner before I head out to the pool, you know, cook dinner, feed my kids, and then head out to the pool that night. And by the time I got done coaching the clients, wrapping up emails that had been going on throughout the day, it was about 4.45. We had to be on the road by 5.50 later that night. And so I thought by the time I go to the grocery store and come back, I just couldn't do the math. So, and I gave myself permission that, hey, we can go pick up at this local restaurant and get takeout because one of my kids still had homework and didn't want to go do a sit-down restaurant. And I gave myself permission. That was still taking care of myself. But if you remember me talking with Karen about where is that action rooted? And I think this is so important because taking care of myself can also be sleep. But if you're in a shame storm, sleep can be a way to hide. So knowing where are you rooted, if you're rooted in shame and you're trying to, and you're using the shame shield of moving away, you're trying to disconnect and you go into sleep, then it's not actually filling you up, right? If you go and eat and just, you know, oh, I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to go have this food. But it's this kind of, I call it the inner gladiator. Let me show you who's the boss of me. And these are the voices that what happens inside my head. That's also rooted in shame. It's because I'm trying to run away from the shame. I'm trying to disconnect from those that feeling state. But when I'm rooted in compassion, right, or love, how do I want to take care of myself? And maybe for that day, it was, you know what, it's okay. I'll go pick up some food and we can have takeout at home. And we had about 15 minutes to eat the meal once I went and got it. And it just was what it was that day. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's about letting go of this idea of perfection. But how do you take care of yourself? A few summers ago, I had this incident that created a lot of stress. The old me used to respond by, you know, running and getting food, numbing myself. I was really good at that. And instead, like there was this going on, I wanted to go kind of purge or verbally vomit this drama to my husband, but I didn't quite know where he was. And so I remember just going, well, wait a second. If I go and try to find him on the campus, I'm going to lose this time that I have to actually take care of myself and eat. And I said, I choose me and I'm going to go eat. I know I'm going to see him later this evening. I can do my verbal vomit then. And I just really checked in with myself. So those I hope are examples for you as thinking about how do you take care of yourself? Right. So the things that Karen and I talked about earlier are things that I definitely do. And friends are really important for me. Um, spending time by myself. It could be watching television. Uh, it's also the food that I eat, right? Making sure I get sleep and real and getting movement because that's all taking care of me. And that can look like, you know, when I choose to eat a meal, it can look like, oh, well, Corinne's just really disciplined. I don't believe that. I really look at it from how can I take care of myself? How can I nourish my body? so that I can have the energy and show up in my life the way that I would like to instead of the fog brain that I used to have. And I want to go back to a couple things that we talked about 
um, with Karen before I go, one was this whole idea about confidence and, you know, and having hopeful children and having confidence in other people or having confidence in yourself, right? So if you're a parent, having confidence in your parenting ability, it doesn't mean that you never make mistakes, right? From the show, it's, it's not about being perfect. It's about what can I learn? Having confidence is different than being arrogant. And so really understanding the difference between those two. Confidence, again, is rooted in compassion. Compassionate people have boundaries. You've probably heard me say that at least a dozen times on the show. Compassionate people have boundaries. And we talked about boundaries in the example of the holidays and family and how do we take care of ourselves? What is it that we need? And I loved how Karen with her house guests will kind of set the boundaries in the very beginning, right? Those are nice. But just if in case you forget to set the boundaries, you can always circle back and say, hey, you know, this is something that I've learned has become really important to me. And I understand that that's a courageous conversation, especially for some of you who have not owned your voice, who have not used it, because maybe you grew up with the same belief that Karen grew up with is that you're responsible for other people's feelings. You're responsible to make other people happy. From the work that I do and the work that I've really practiced on in my life is that we are responsible for our own feelings. We, we can't make other people feel a certain way because our feelings come from the stories that we tell ourselves, from the thoughts in our head. So being responsible, that still doesn't mean that you treat people out of alignment with your values, right? But understanding that somebody may say, well, if you do this, then I'll be happy. But will they be happy? I mean, sometimes check in with that, you know, um, will they really be happy? And <laughs> my one of my kids went to a um, an on ice thing. And she was a teenager and she went, and she came back. She's like, mom, the popcorn was $12, right? Because they understand that parents will buy stuff for their kids because that they believe that that would make them happy. But does it really make them happy when you do what other people want you to do? And is that worth the possible cost of your unhappiness, right? If you're happy and you're doing it, then there's not a cost to you. But if it's costing your own happiness, that's something to consider. It's never just as clean as black and white. But this is work that I really believe in as far as being responsible for our own feelings. So showing up and, you know, maybe I am sad because somebody said something and understanding that that sadness may be triggered in my own story that I have about myself, right? Most of us have this feeling or this story of we're not good enough in some aspect of our life. And somebody can say something and it triggers right to that pain center for us. So understanding that it's not that they did something to us, they may have triggered something inside of ourselves. So it's about going back in and changing that story instead choosing to believe a different story. You know, maybe I'm not a very good cook. I've been practicing for a few years now, right? But I can make sure that I have food that I think tastes decently yummy and where I'm not food poisoning my family. And hopefully that will continue tonight as I have some chicken that I'm questioning right now. So those are really important. And I know that might be a different concept for some of you because there is this, especially for women, this idea of you're responsible to make other people happy. But really, we can only control our own feelings. We can't control other people's. We can trigger them, like when the guy, you know, not the guy, but when somebody you're on the freeway and somebody cuts you off and all of a sudden, you know, your fear comes up and you maybe have anger, 
we can be triggered because the story is, oh my gosh, they could have killed me or that person, you know, wasn't a very safe driver. It's those stories again. Okay. Or we could say, wow, they almost cut me off, but I'm really grateful that I didn't get hit. And then notice how you feel differently. So thanks so much for listening. We are building a community at the, at the site and go there to sign up for free. You'll receive the weekly newsletter as well as an opportunity to connect. And you never know. You may email me a question and I may answer it in the newsletter. It may become a show topic. So I do invite you to join us. A special thanks to Karen for joining us. I love this conversation and look forward to many more. And I want to do a shout out because we've been getting iTunes reviews to Nina Marinikovich. I'm sorry if I mangled your name, Nina Marinikovich. Thank you so much for leaving a review of the show. It just, it's fun for me to read it. It gives me a little fuel of like, oh, people, you know, when I learned what people really enjoy, it gives me great feedback. So it's not from an approval whoring place, but it's just fun. I call it like, it's like joy eating. It's, you know, I can't get fueled by eating ice cream, but it tastes yummy. It's delicious, but it's not going to sustain me. So these, these comments are great because they're fun to listen and to read. And I read them. I'm like, oh, this is helping somebody out there. And I love that aspect of it. So thank you guys so much. And until next time, I invite you, think about what does taking care of yourself mean? I'm smiling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.